Okay, so for the past two episodes, we've been talking about the personal injury process. And this is typically when you get involved in a car accident and you've been injured and you're trying to recover money, typically from the insurance company for the other driver. So you've been rear-ended, somebody else is responsible for the accident, they have insurance, and you've been in contact, let's say it's State Farm, and you've been in contact with State Farm to try to get compensation for your injuries, for your medical bills, for your pain and suffering. So what we've talked about in the last two episodes is what happens on the day of the accident, getting information from the other driver, documenting what has happened so far in the accident, the damage to the vehicle, taking pictures, writing down uh, where you were coming from, where you were going to. And then as you go, the year goes along, you have one year to file a lawsuit, negotiations with the uh, insurance company, what that entails, giving a statement, going to see the doctor to make sure you're okay. And once you finish that treatment, we got through well, you've either settled the case or you're coming up on your one-year time frame to file the lawsuit. And you're actually, you haven't been able to agree to anything with the insurance company and you're actually having to file a lawsuit, not against the insurance company, but against the other driver. So what do you have to do to file a lawsuit? So when you actually have to go through the process of filing a lawsuit, people think it's this terrible thing and you're doing something wrong but actually all it is is having an attorney draft up a few pieces of paper usually five to eight pieces of paper documenting what happened in the car accident whose fault it was and that you're entitled to compensation for that injury and that document is what attorneys call a complaint and all you do with that document is you go and you take it to the courthouse and you file it with the clerk's office. And usually there is a cost associated with filing a lawsuit, and it's typically from $150 to $250. So in this complaint, how much money do I ask for or can I ask for? That's an excellent question, and the answer is you can ask for as much money as you want. Now, a lot of people you'll hear in the news about people asking for $1 million for getting burned by a cup of coffee at McDonald's. And that is considered people are being sue happy and asking for too much money. Well, in reality, they are never going to very rarely get the amount of money they ask for in the complaint. They're probably not going to get a million dollars. But you can't get any more money than what you ask for. So what attorneys do is they ask for a higher number, fully expecting that they will generally get some number lower than that. So if you're hurt, Tanea, and you have $10,000 in medical expenses, well, if you only ask for 20, you will never get more than $20,000. But if you ask for 40, you might get something above 20,000. You might get 25, you might get 30. So you don't know, but, What if you're still going to the doctor? You may have more medical expenses and your attorney doesn't know how much those medical expenses are. So the attorneys tend to err on the side of a higher number in case you have more medical expenses that you incur after the complaint gets filed. So I do have another question. 
I know that some accidents are on the news or are on the newspaper. How does that get to be on the news or newspaper? Okay, generally, when a lawsuit gets filed, no one knows that. There mm-hmm. is no one who's going to notify the news that something like that gets filed unless you're suing the city or the county because those are considered high-profile cases and people like to read about that. But if I, if Tanea, if you sue Ben for injuring you in a car wreck for $10,000, let me tell you, nobody really cares what's going on in that case except for you two. So there's, it's very unlikely that that will ever be in the news or that it will ever go to the newspaper. I've tried cases and gotten judgments before of $50,000. Nobody ever knew about it. It was never in the news. It was never in the newspaper. Nobody really cares except the people who are involved in the case. So have you had a case where it was on the news or it was in the newspaper? I have had a case that was in the news and the newspaper. There was a unfortunate case where a lady was on drugs, in a, not in Knox County, but in Claiborne County, and drove into a 17-year-old boy who was coming home from school and killed him. And that ended up going to a jury, and the jury awarded over a million dollars against the lady, and she's still in jail to this day. Of course, you know they didn't collect all that money because she didn't have that much. But that was in the newspaper and the news because it was a big deal and a boy lost his life in the car accident. That was a few years ago, but that was the highest jury verdict ever in the history of Claiborne County. Highest ever. And so that was newsworthy and was in the news and I think it was on the front page of the News Sentinel. So I guess bringing it back to what a complaint is... What, what else is contained within a complaint? You obviously have the dollar amount that you're suing for, but what else can you include or what else needs to be included within that complaint? That, that's a good question. And what is included in a complaint is just a little bit of information about the person suing, the considered the plaintiff, where he lives, what his name is, what happened as far as the accident. Uh, so-and-so was rear-ended on this road on this day that they sustained injuries, whether it be to their back or their arms or their legs or their head, and that that person is responsible for it, the other driver's responsible, and that they should pay X number of dollars, 50000 100000 a million, whatever the case may be. That is essentially it. And the law actually says to keep a short statement of the facts and what is requested. So they don't want, attorneys are known to be wordy and talk a lot, the loss is trying to get them to be short and to the point whenever they draft out a complaint. Next, we're going to be talking about what it means to be served. All right, so the service process means that we are trying to get the complaint, quote-unquote, served or given to the defendant of the lawsuit. Is there a time limit for when the complaint is issued to the person served? Yes, there is a a time limit for how long you have to serve a complaint on someone. Because they don't want lawsuits hanging around for forever, you are typically required to get the complaint into the hands of the defendant within 90 days of filing that complaint. 
Now, there's some ways to do that to do it after that, but typically they don't want lawsuits floating around out there for forever. So they say, okay, you have three months essentially to get that complaint served on the defendant. What are the pros and cons of hiring a process server? All right. So when you hire a process server, what are you what you are trying to do is get that complaint in the hands of the defendant. And you can typically do that two ways through a sheriff's office that may provide that service and give the complaint to the defendant, or you can do it through a private process server. Now to do it privately is a little bit more expensive, but because that's how they make their living, they usually do a a more thorough job than a sheriff's office typically does. And keep in mind, if you don't know where a defendant lives, you're going to have a hard time suing them. Because if you sue them and you never give them a copy of the complaint, then you're never going to get any money from them because you don't know where they live. So it's important that you know what you know where you can get the defendant served. What happens if the person or defendant isn't served? Okay, so if the defendant isn't served with the complaint, then typically they don't have to do anything. And some people do a very good job of avoiding service. Sheriff's office will go and knock on their door and they they think, well, I owe $10,000 to so-and-so. I bet I'm getting served with a summons to court. I'm just not going to answer the door. And so they will avoid service. So that's why sometimes it's good to hire that private process server to find ways to track down those defendants. So after the defendant is served, they will be required to file an answer, what is called an answer. And after they are served, say you file a complaint January 1st, and you don't get the defendant served until January 15th, we'll say. They have 30 days from the date of service to file what is called an answer to that complaint that the plaintiff filed. So you got 30 days from the date of service to file an answer. And that is the defendant's obligation to do that. Typically, a defendant will want to hire an attorney or in a personal injury case, they will go and contact their insurance company and the insurance company will have an attorney for you to file that answer. Going back to the um, hiring a private server, how much does it cost or would it cost a person to hire them? Okay, so typically in Knox County, they charge, I think, roughly $22 to $24 for the sheriff's office to serve someone. A private process server, the one I use, charges between $60 and $65. Now, the sheriff's office will typically get the job done for you within a week or two. My private process server, if I know where the defendant works or lives, will usually get it done within a day or two. So it can get done quicker, too, especially if you're in a hurry. Next, we're going to be talking about what is a written discovery. So I guess the first question is basically to explain what a written discovery is. Written discovery and oral discovery are the next steps in the lawsuit process. After a complaint has been filed, After an answer has been filed, what the parties are going to try to do is find out about each other's cases. The defendant is going to want to know, okay, has this plaintiff, the guy who's suing me, saying his back is hurt, has he ever been to the doctor before for back pain? Maybe he already had this back pain and he's not as hurt as he says. Things like that. 
So what they are called is interrogatories and request for production of documents. What the legal system says now is, is that we want everybody to know everything about the case before we go to trial. Usually this is so parties can talk each other into settling the case. So if I'm suing Ben, or Ben will want to ask me, have you ever been in any accidents before? Do you, you know, do you have any pictures of the accidents that show that I'm at fault? Have you um, been to the doctor for anything related to back injuries in the past 10 years? And they will ask you all kinds of questions. Like in a divorce case, they'll ask you about any bank accounts you've ever had, what's, you know, what's your Facebook account, all kinds of information. They will ask about everything under the sun, things that may or may not be relevant. But what they're trying to do is figure out if you're, if you're actually hurt or not and who's at fault in the accident. I guess the next question is what do, you know. What happens next? Um, it, you know, there's a written discovery, but what happens after that process? Okay, so, or, the, and that's an excellent question. So, as the written discovery process plays out, you all are asking questions to each other. That usually takes thirty to sixty days to complete the that process. Sometimes it even takes ninety days. After that, what you will do is schedule what is called depositions, and this is oral discovery. You'll have the, inf- the attorneys will have the informations, the answers to the questions, and they will want to ask more questions on top of those questions. Attorneys love to do detective work in this way. And what they are trying to do is find out how good a witness that person will be, if they can see that the person is lying based on their questions, if they give the same answers in oral discovery that they did in written discovery. And what is a deposition is probably a good question to ask. That is where you meet in an attorney's office and you are answering questions under oath from the other attorney. That is what a deposition would look like. We would, there wouldn't be a judge there. We'd be sitting around this table answering questions under oath. Right. So the whole point of a deposition is basically to figure out what, you know, is this person credible? Is their story true? Are they lying about this? You know, things of that nature. That's that's exactly correct, Ben. And, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You want to find out um, whether you want to settle the case or not based on your conversations with the other party. So if the if you go through this deposition and you find out that the other person is lying or that in everything that they said is not necessarily true, what happens after that process? Okay. So if I'm suing you, and you, your attorney is asking me questions, and they say, that Jed is a liar. He's not hurt at all. Well, say I'm asking you for $50,000. Well, and you may, your attorney may say, one, I'm going to go to trial, or two, I'm going to offer him $10,000 to make him go away and not give him fifty. So they're going to decide how good my case is based on how I answer questions. Okay, so uh, back to serving someone. Personally, what would be the easiest way to actually serve someone? Great question. And it depends on the situation. Sometimes I've found that I'm suing somebody who I think, you know what, it'll, it'll get them to respond better if a sheriff's officer, somebody in a uniform with a gun on, will serve them, as opposed to a private process server who just is in normal clothes. 
So it depends on the situation, which isn't a great answer. But if I think I know where I can get someone served, I usually do it with the sheriff's office because it's cheaper and it's easier. But if I think I'm going to have a hard time serving somebody, I will usually hire a private process server to do that. I know that they can either settle the um, case or go on trial. So what does it actually mean to like settle the case? All right. So we've been talking about what happens after you file the lawsuit, complaint, Mm -hmm. answer, discovery. At this point, the attorneys have gathered all the information they can to make a decision. So at this point, the attorneys and the parties, the plaintiff and the defendant, know just about everything they can know about the case. So they need to decide whether they are going to take the money, essentially. Mm -hmm. So the defendant's insurance company is going to make one last effort and say, based on what I found out, this is how much money we will offer you to settle the case. And at that point, the plaintiff can either, you know, negotiate with them a little bit or take the money. And lots and lots and 90% of the cases, they settle at this point. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just disagree. And the next thing that has to happen is trial. And that's what we'll talk about next week. We've been talking about all this stuff leading up to the trial. Next week, we're going to actually talk about what happens when you actually go to trial.